0: You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark.
1: Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. We are back with your Tuesday episode. We've got a very exciting show today. We are going to talk about the early trade deadline returns, who's fitting in, who's not. We've got our Crosscheck segment of the week where we look at Are the Pittsburgh Penguins actually contenders again? Because out of nowhere, they're ripping it up. And finally, we're going to look at the surprise, well, somewhat surprise, retirement of Andrew Shaw, who is uh, leaving the game due to post-concussion symptoms. It's quite the interesting thing going on there. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark. My name's Andrew Berkshire. You can follow us on Twitter at Mary C. Clark and at Andrew Berkshire. And you can also follow the show at CrossCheckNHL. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you like your podcast to play from, whether it's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever. We're there. You look, you surge us, we're there. So, Mary, how was your weekend?
0: My weekend was good. Uh, Played some video games, did some work. My other job, you know, had a good weekend, relaxed. I I got to see my grandmother actually this weekend, so that was nice. I got to hug her for the first time. in a very long time. I mean I had seen her socially distanced, um, you know, outside when the weather was nice, like but one it's day it's in December. Right? But it is different, yeah. yeah. She got to, you know, come up to my room, meet my meet my cat, all that type of good stuff. So it was good to it was good to have her around. How about you?
1: It it was it was a good start to the weekend. Uh we I was able to book a vaccination appointment on I think oh, Friday. Nice. Uh Quebec finally opened things up to people who have uh like who are younger but who have like a chronic issues that may cause a, uh, a a complication with the virus and I have asthma. So I qualify and my wife okay. is technically a hospital worker. So she got in on the same day as me, which is pretty cool. Nice. Uh, we're excited to get that done. And we had a fantastic day on Saturday. Uh, we were outside all day with the kids and they had so much fun. And then it was like, a two-hour temper tantrum to end the day because <laughs> the oldest wanted to go back outside and we were like oh my god how are we gonna end this and it got to the point where i had to like take his bike away and Aww. yeah he had to like get punished and the next morning he came into our bedroom and he was like dad you broke my heart by taking oh, away no. my pedal bike
0: <laughs> oh like, no you're so
1: manipulative
0: <laughs> oh no That would break me immediately. You probably have a stronger will than I do for that. I
1: mean, I think it it depends on the context. Right. But he was so awful that we were like, I don't feel bad at all. (laughs) He's not going to (laughs) he's not going to make me cry with this. So it was uh, it was a good weekend, but truncated by some some (laughs) bad behavior. But anyway, uh, beyond the real life stuff. The trade deadline, Uh, we've covered the trade deadline pretty extensively on the podcast, but uh, we're, we're now in the early returns area here. Uh, teams are trying to fit in their players who've gone through the COVID protocols. Uh, some players, especially in the, on the American teams, haven't had to sit out for as long because uh, a lot of players are vaccinated now. So mm-hmm. obviously there's one area that's been or one team that's had two players that have fit in excellently. And that's uh, Boston, which we kind of called on the podcast. Right. We thought that. Mike Riley was a great fit for what they needed on defense. And Taylor Hall on that second line is going to be like probably transformative for them. And, you know, Taylor Hall, I believe, is still at a point per game with the Bruins. Uh, he's scoring goals, which he hasn't done all season. Uh, now that he's not like the primary check every time he goes out on the ice. And Mike Riley, the, the fans are loving him. Uh, already talking about wanting an extension. Both these players might be Bruins for a long time
0: yeah um I think actually looking at Taylor Hall stats he's got six points in eight games so he was a point per game player but um uh, right he did, is really close, he's really close though he's had role. three goals and yeah they had three he has three goals and three assists though and he really has been you know like you said transformative for this team it's he doesn't have to play those big minutes he can do what he wants to do and he can be on a different line and just score and you know generate offense and also, Mike Riley, he's been great in terms of, like, what he can bring to the defense, adding some puck moving, adding some speed to that back end. I mean, for the longest time, like, when Zdeno Char was there, like, the Bruins, at least for me, I always thought of them as, like, a slower defensive defensive team. But now, you know, you add Mike Riley into the mix, and they suddenly get a lot more dangerous in terms of puck moving um, on on defense.
1: Yeah, they're, they're becoming more of, like, a quick-up team, right? Like, that team's got a lot mm-hmm. younger now on defense. They still have some some guys who aren't necessarily fast, like Kevin yeah. Miller, who kind of compensates for that by being the scariest dude in the NHL. Like, <laughs> he's just, like, he's just got shoulders that are as wide as half the friggin' building. He's uh, <laughs> a guy that I would not ever want to tangle with. Let's put it that oh, way. No. Oh, no. You know? Never. But uh, th- they've kind of revamped their defense, I think, better than they've done it with their depth forwards. I mean... I think there's names on there that elicit a, a reaction that's positive, like Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, but guys that just haven't put it together this season. They're they're a team that, like I like I said when uh, we were prepping for the trade deadline and talking about who should buy and who shouldn't. I don't think they're in their window anymore,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: they sure look a lot more dangerous right now.
0: Yeah, and they've started to create separation. I mean, in the East. Uh- a little bit but still I mean they've got 60 points in that last four spot um in 47 games and they have two in hand on the Rangers who have uh 56 points so they're four points up with two games in hand um heading into the last couple of weeks because we are in the last couple of weeks strange it is strange it is to say since it it almost feels like the season started yesterday but also it feels like it's been going on for years that's kind of how time has been the last uh little while for me at the moment but it they've been able to stabilize the team because uh, for a while it was looking like why are the Bruins falling down the standings what is going on with them but it, these additions have really helped them you know figure themselves out and well they're probably not going to catch a team like the Penguins um, in first place who have 67 points they've at least stabilized themselves long enough that they're you know not I don't I don't think they're in as much danger of possibly dropping out of the the playoff race um, That they were a couple weeks ago
1: yeah uh, they they were on the edge there for a while and it looked like the rangers might be poised to to sneak past them but that seems unlikely now they've got two games in hand on the rangers and four extra points i think a lot of people look at the rangers and they're like oh man plus 33 goal differential but last time i checked they're not actually a very good team like uh i think they were inflated by
0: those wins against the flyers where they scored like what nine goals or whatever yeah <laughs> it feels they, like they were they definitely seem to, inflated those numbers
1: they seem to win weird if you know what i mean like um mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of a team that either they win like seven to one or they lose three to two and like if you lose one goal games consistently uh, like often it's it's a sign that you're like uh you have poor luck like it's very rare for a team to lose one goal games consistently for an extended uh like more than one season like it happens from time to time, but overall, I, I'm pretty sure that the Rangers are not a great team at controlling play. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're just below 50. percent So they're they're okay. They're better than I think many people thought they were going to be at this stage. But I don't think they're as, nearly as good as their goal differential. They just have like a sky high uh, shooting and saving percentage. Uh, yeah. One of the tops. And they're the not league, doing too
0: bad in their last ten. They're seven two and one in their last ten. So not to take I guess anything away from them, but in terms of like, I guess going back to Boston, um, that the Bruins have put themselves in a good position, I think, with these moves at the deadline, um, to at least hold on to that four spot and maybe contend for the third but the Islanders. So, yeah. like I said, I don't know if they'll be able to like catch the Penguins. I mean, they do have two games in hand on the Penguins, so who knows? But I think the Penguins have a very easy strength of schedule the rest of the way,
1: and they are so red we'll hot.
0: <laughs> yes, they're red hot. I mean, we'll which talk about which we're going to get to. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but um, I I think the Bruins have put themselves in a very good position with these moves, and good on them. I mean, I think we talked coming out of the trade deadline that these are some pretty savvy moves um, that they made, and so far it's paying off.
1: Since the recording of this podcast, it's been announced that Cole Caulfield will in fact make his debut with the Montreal Canadiens, so ignore that part about where I said he wouldn't. Yeah, and speaking of the opposite side, their historic rivals Mm -hmm. in the Montreal Canadiens, not so much. Uh, they obviously didn't move for like as aggressively as, uh, as the Bruins did, but the small pieces that they brought in, uh, Eric Stahl, uh, Gust- Eric Gustafson has been, I mean, fine. I think he's only played one or two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Merrill, I think is a good player, but just not what they needed. They just don't need another stay at home defenseman. Things have just fallen apart for them. Uh, not just in terms of, you know, like losses, which they are piling those up, but they just don't look good anymore. Uh, For most of the season, they've been a very strong, even strength team, and that's starting to disappear, and I I wonder if they've just gone in too hard on the same kind of players and they're leaning on their older guys a lot more often than they should be.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, it's nice to have a Corey Perry who can come in and make the odd really nice play where you're like, oh, right, he used to be a superstar, but he should be playing like Twelve ish minutes a night, and he's playing a lot more than that. There have been a couple games where he like led the team in ice time. And when, you, when you're throwing out like Shea Weber, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, and John Merrill out there, and you're like six pl- among your six players trying to tie a game with the net empty, you're not gonna tie the game. Yeah, you're not gonna out race people to pucks. You're, you're just gonna end up chasing the whole time, and that's what's happening. And it seems to me like they've bought too heavily into the players that they've brought in and abandoned the players who actually got them to a good point in the standings in the first place. And you know, one of the su- people suffering from that has been uh, Jasperi Kanyemi, who just can't seem to get ice time on this team despite all of his underlying numbers being spectacular.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we talked at the trade deadline extensively um about how we didn't like the moves the Canadians made that they really didn't move the needle. Like you said, they're they basically got similar versions of the same player just a a little bit different but they really didn't you know make any moves that would help them and it's like like we talked about it's like very much the opposite of the bruins they're floundering they their play is dropped off i mean they're possibly i mean i don't know if they'll drop out of a playoff spot but calgary has been gaining on them in terms of like playing like the calgary's playing even while the canadians have been playing very poorly recently and there's a four-point difference between them and while Montreal has a game in hand it's you know I guess I'm starting to worry about them because of the moves that they've made and we talked like Eric Stahl hasn't really you know done much uh, for the team he's got two goals in 12 games minus eight I mean I know plus minus all that stuff but
1: But his expected goals like all of his underlying numbers are terrible too so like the plus minus is fairly representative of what he's done
0: yeah so it it just doesn't look good for them. I don't, I still don't understand why they made the moves that they did at the deadline. It, it, I don't think it's necessarily made them worse, but may, maybe it's very possible. I just, I still can't understand what they were trying to do with moves like that instead of going out and trying to get, like, to swing on maybe a little bit of a bigger defenseman to help them in that regard. But, well,
1: and the other thing that's kind of held them back a little bit, and maybe it's one of those situations, Mark Bergevin's – uh, operating thesis his entire time as general manager has always been like young players aren't given spots. They have to earn their way into the lineup. Uh, And if they, mm -hmm. and if that happens, then he'll move the veteran, right? He'll, he'll find a way to make it happen. But with one call up remaining, so you can't really send anybody Mm -hmm. down right now. And the trade deadline passed, there's no more flexibility. They're capped out and they have Cole Mm -hmm. Caulfield who came into professional hockey lit it up with the Laval rocket looked like he belonged in pro hockey immediately got called up and he's just sitting in the stands. So like, they're now stuck where they can't play their top prospect either in the American hockey league or the national hockey league. It's Mm -hmm. like they're stuck between a rock and the hard place. They can't maneuver their way out of it. And adding all these bodies, all these contracts has put them in a bind. Now they don't have the flexibility and it maybe didn't look like it was going to happen that way when the changes were made, but it's, it's tough.
0: Do you think, you, then, do you think Caulfield should get a shot? Like, Oh, absolutely. You said they have one, they have one recall left. You said
1: they, you they have one recall left, but they don't have the cap space for Caulfield. Mm-hmm. So what they would have to do, uh, according to cat friendly, who's a awesome, awesome resource, yep. uh, who works tirelessly to keep everyone informed, uh, they would have to send down Caden Primo and call up Charlie Lindgren, most likely, mm-hmm. to uh, make things happen uh, for the cap, for the goaltending, because Carey Price is out right now. And other than that, they could waive Paul Byron, but he's more likely to get picked now after the trade deadline. And if you waive him, they I'm pretty sure they said you can't call him back up unless there's an injury. So okay. it, it's like... you. Once you do this, there's no going back. And I think they're just afraid to do that in case Caulfield doesn't like, he proves that he's not ready. But this mm. team needs a spark. They need a goal yeah. scorer, especially with Brendan Gallagher out. And that's not it. But yeah. speaking of goal scorers, uh, I think we called it perfectly with the Vrana Mantha trade. And I know we're not, we're not, you know, out there with like a hot take here. I think a lot of people really love this trade, but Vrana and Mantha have killed it on their new teams. They look perfect, both of them
0: oh yeah I mean mantha had what I think he had a goal each in his first four games with the capitals um if I remember correctly so he's been lighting it up for them um I mean I I've seen him a little bit more just because of being in the east I've been watching a bit a bit more of their games but yeah, I mean, we we talked about on when we were doing the trade deadline um, wrap-up stuff that, like, we thought that these were great fits for both teams. I mean, Washington may have overpaid just a little bit, but he brings something to that team that they haven't had um, in a while, and he really fits in well with the team. And, I mean, Jacob Brana, he's got six points in five games for Detroit. And Detroit's just been like, – it feels like every time I, like, pay attention to Detroit, like, their fans are like, the team is winning. I mean, you had the they had the game a few nights ago where they were what leading the stars and with like with a goal and had like six shots to the stars like thirty five or whatever. I mean, the at, stars at eventually at one point it
1: was f- it was like forty six or forty five to six. It was also thirty seven to three at one point. Yeah,
0: the, <laughs> like... it was incredible. I mean, like the stars eventually won that game to their credit as yes. they should because you can't like it's just a fluke of nature if. You know, you get shut out, or if you lose a game like that. But the Stars rightfully won that game. But it was still fun to see. I mean, feels like every time I turn into Detroit, they they're an incredibly like it sometimes like fun like bottom tier team. And Verona's added to that, and I uh, he's going to be a great piece for them in the future to build around. He's what twenty five. That's they've got it. They they did well in that trade. They
1: did, and Verona had a four goal game against Dallas. Yeah, first half of I believe that was a back to back in which the Red Wings won seven to three. He opened the scoring and got the last three goals in the game. So essentially just like insurance, insurance, insurance. Like he plowed through them. It was, Oh no, he didn't get the last three goals. Uh, Gagne got the last goal. Sam Gagne, who's still in the league somehow. Sam oh, Gagne is still yeah. crushing it. Good for him. Uh, he mm-hmm. seems to always find a spot. He's a versatile little player, but yeah, both those guys fit in great, uh, quickly to lead into our penguin segment, obviously, uh, Jeff Carter mm. seemed to fit in okay with uh, with the Penguins. He's not being asked to step into a top end role. He's scoring at about a half point a game. Seems to be doing all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I'm familiar with Jeff Carter from his time with the Flyers back in my youth, oh, are you, Mary? That is. yeah, as weird as that it was weird as that is to say yes, uh, back in my youth. Uh, but he's got I think he's got three points in seven games, two goals. I mean. Not obviously the flashy numbers like we're talking with like a Taylor Hall or an Anthony Mantha and all that stuff, but he has been serviceable and he's added a bit of jump to the bottom of the Penguins lineup, which I mean, I think that was all he was really asked to do. I mean, he's not the scorer he once was and his shot isn't there as it once was, but he, he, I remember uh, the game when he, when he first played against the Flyers in a Penguins uniform, he seemed very dangerous every time he had the puck. There were moments where I was like, he's going to, he's going to score a goal against the Flyers in a Penguins uniform and it's going to be, the Penguins fans are going to be insufferable. I just know it, but it didn't happen. But the, the dude looked like the dude still has legs, still was making plays happen. I mean, I think he's a very serviceable addition to the bottom of the Penguins lineup. I, I'll be interested to see how they roll it through the playoffs. But I, I think that this is like the type of player, especially with the flat cap, um, I don't think the Penguins needed to change the mix too much, especially with the way they've been rolling, um, with the, over the last season. But I think that he adds something to the bottom of that lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's exactly what the Penguins kind of needed just to to bolster the bottom, give them a bit of depth at center, uh, injury insurance as well. Everyone kind of bumps down the lineup a little bit more. Uh, that whole rising tide lifts all boats mentality. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Penguins played this right. Um, yeah. They, they look really strong, and we're going to talk about them just in a minute. But speaking of serviceable, your car is serviceable. And if your car needs service, and you can do it yourself, you better check out rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com right now on your computer or with the computer in your phone fo- in your pocket called a phone – and uh, shop for your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Why would you accept high prices at a chain store when you could go to rockauto.com and get big savings and compare prices from multiple manufacturers? Often, chain stores or storefronts only have a couple of options. rockauto.com has a plethora of options for you to browse. You can load up your vehicle and see everything they have available. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice as much for the same parts? They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your daily driver or someone who's on the road all the time, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door, which is perfect for this pandemic world we're living in. You don't have to go see anybody. Just use your pocket computer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a fair price. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into his or her life. Use only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement. Mother's Day, or a simply beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into his or her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give him or her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever You definitely better get going to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 1010 on BlueNile.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insights and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch the live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. Welcome back to our weekly segment, The Crosscheck of the Week, the segment that the podcast is named after. This is where we take the story that we want to break down this week and see what's going on right now. The narrative surrounding it is what actually is happening Uh, right now. The big story that we found was the Penguins. Uh, we, we've alluded to it already. The Pittsburgh Penguins are crushing it lately. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. They've only lost four games since March 24th, only eight of their last 28 games. It's pretty incredible what's going on right now. And not only are they doing that you know, as it stands, but they're also fourth in the league in terms of uh, games lost to injury. This has got to be killing you, Mary, because I know that you're a Flyers <laughs> fan at heart and watching the Penguins have success while acquiring Jeff Carter at the same time. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't be upset if Jeff Carter got a ring, but at the same time, you got to be thinking while the Flyers looked you know, promising at the end of last season going to the playoffs this year, the Penguins all of a sudden are overtaking them again and look like they might be contenders. And you have to be thinking, not again. <laughs> How many times can this team turn it around and become contenders again?
0: I am kind of used to it at this point. Um, It feels like whenever the Penguins, you know, things don't go their way. They have a ton of injuries, which it always seems they have. I feel like every year it feels like the Penguins are always in the top, like, five of man games lost to injury. Um, it It felt that way when they won their Stanley Cups, too, like in the regular season. But I guess I'm just kind of used to it at this point. I mean, I covered the two Stanley Cups that um, the Penguins won um, a handful of years back. So I'm I'm used to them having success. Um, I'm just uh, a little bit annoyed that I was wrong again in my prediction that this would be the year that they would fall off. It seems that they're just going to delay the inevitable because we know that will come eventually. But I really thought this year was the year for them to fall off. But Sidney Crosby and um, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith and... Cody Cece, apparently, and the rest of them have all said no. Um, so it shows me for, you know, trying to count out a team with Sidney Crosby doing Sidney Crosby things. Um, but I I know that regression is coming for them eventually. I thought this year would have been the year. I thought, you know, uh, Tristan Jari is, like, only played, like, like, started, like, I think less than 40 games in his NHL career. I thought, like, you know, if any team would slip up, it would be that because, you know, he's finally getting a full starters workload for the year. You no, know, they've been they've been really good and they're doing it with, you know, so many man games lost to injury, which is impressive. I mean, like I said, I feel like every time that stack comes up, it's always the Penguins are near the top um, of that statistic. And they still manage to, you know, win consistently. And I, that's definitely on coaching of Mike Sullivan, too. I, I can't discount that, too. He's an incredible coach, so... All props to them. They've been doing really well recently, and are definitely, at least, my, like the hottest team for me, anyway, in terms of like the teams, like yes, on the East Coast. I was gonna say uh, Eastern Conference, but that doesn't exist this year because of the weird playoff format. But for me, anyway, that's they're like one of the hottest teams this year.
1: Yeah, the, the Penguins always seem to you know pull things together at the right time. Yeah, um, I think if anything, this is a testament to what superstars can do. And you know, there's always a debate in the NHL, of, you know, like even if you have Sidney Crosby, he's only playing 20 minutes out of 60 minutes, right? So like how much do superstars really impact the game? And I think you can see with you know, part of it is impacting every game, yes. But also there's something to be said for every player on that team gets to practice with Sidney Crosby, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a consistency, a through line of, I think this is now the 16th year of Sidney Crosby's career, of always having Sid there. Mm. And chop a couple years off of that, and you've got Malkin as, as well, right? And this is why, like, as much as the Oilers are super frustrating to me in terms of like what they haven't been able to do, if they can convince Dreisaitl and McDavid to not... Try to get out. Mm-hmm. They have a much longer cup window than an average team because those players are so good. Mm-hmm. And the Penguins, by all you know metrics of uh, like age curves, should not be good anymore. Uh, they should not be a contender anymore. Their best players are, for the most part, in their mid thirties. Uh, Malkin, I think, is he must be thirty five now because he's a year older than Crosby. Uh, Crosby's my age. Couple months younger, but uh, Malkin's yeah, thirty four. So by the way, Malkin's thirty four. Okay, yeah. so he's he'll, he must be turning thirty five shortly because Crosby's also thirty four. He would have turned that August seventh. So, so they're they're an old team by like in terms of their core. Their core is old. You wouldn't expect them to be high end contenders. But those superstars, they just change everything. Yeah. It, it changes everything. Everyone gets to play with them. Everyone gets to learn from them. I don't think you would see somebody like Brian Rust become. Like an attempt, a potential thirty goal scorer, yeah. outside of a team like the Penguins, the you Sidney know, it Crosby just...
0: effect is real. Like it is very real, and that really speaks to the type of player he is. I mean, he like you always talk like or like you hear like the stuff like when the Ovechkin Crosby debate comes up that like Sidney Crosby like you know I mean. Like Ovechkin has him on terms of like being the pure goal scorer, but Sidney Crosby is the overall package. Like he just, he does everything and he elevates his player, like his teammates completely. I mean, there's always been that thing when like, you know, Sidney Crosby would play with like Chris Kunitz and, you know, elevate Chris Kunitz to, you know, the levels of a 30 goal scorer, like much like Brian Russ, like these guys who wouldn't be that good are just elevated just because Sidney Crosby is just that fantastic of a player. So, I mean, all the props to him. And, I mean, he really has been defying the age curve. I mean, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised because he's been so fantastic throughout his career. But, like you said, he's 33, 30, 34. Dude's an incredible player. He's got 56 points in 48 games, uh, 20 goals on the year. Like, he just – he does it all. Like, and and I, I know as, like, a Flyers fan I, like, shouldn't – be like, oh, it's fun to watch the new me. but it is. The dude is an incredible player. He's fantastic. Like, he's so frustrating to play against, but he makes these plays happen and he elevates the rest of his team. And it's just, in it, it's been a joy to watch, even though it's been frustrating to see him on, you know, my accursed rival, uh, and all that. But it, he really is uh, such a fun player to see play. And I, I know that regression will happen for him eventually, but it has been fascinating to see this year that. He's just like, not this year, not this time.
1: Yep. He just denied, denied, deny. Yep. And by the way, I was wrong. He is 33 and Malkin's 34. I was screwed up because I'm already 34. Uh. And I was like, yeah, this year's over. I have no concept of time now that- uh, Oh, it's okay. What, COVID. Yeah. You know?
0: COVID times, concept of time is just all over the place. I get you.
1: Yeah. 2021's over, right? Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah. So c- the thing about Crosby that's so incredible is aside from the fact that he's defying the age curve, he's also defying like- what we should expect from players who've been injured so severely, Mm -hmm. you know, he's lost over two seasons of his career to injury. Uh, A lot of it to cheap shots also. So it's like, and that's not even mentioning what he's played through. Mm -hmm. And I think most people who watch Crosby day in, day out, and then compare it to like the playoffs, what he does. I think most people think that he doesn't give it a hundred percent during the regular season. Maybe he has more this year because Malkin's been out so long, but, For the most part, I think Crosby kind of coasts in the regular season compared to what he's capable of doing to save it for the playoffs, and that makes all of his numbers even more incredible. And just basic numbers, there was a thing going around earlier this week because Crosby got his 56th point of the season, and that means that he is guaranteed a point per game, even if he goes scoreless the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. He is now the second player in NHL history to begin their career with 16 straight point per game seasons. Jeez. The only other player to do it is Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Mario Lemieux, 15, right? You missed so much time with injuries. Nobody else. Like, that is quite the company to keep. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we'll see that from McDavid as well. But that speaks to the consistency of Sidney Crosby. And the injuries and,
0: are a good point because you're right. He has yeah. lost a ton of time and he's he's taken a lot of punishment, his body and his brain. Like. Yep. And, he's, and through his
1: prime too, yeah. like the most time that he missed was between twenty ten and twenty thirteen. He missed pretty much two full seasons almost there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that in those seasons he had sixty six points in forty one games, mm-hmm. thirty seven points in twenty two games, and fifty six and thirty six. Like if he played those full seasons, Crosby would likely already be at like fifteen hundred points.
0: Yeah. Dude's like, incredible. He reminds me of like, you know, in the Matrix with Neo dodging all the bullets and like, you know, all that stuff like, you know, dodging the aging curve, you know, deflecting the injuries. <laughs> dude's just dude's just on another level. And uh, we're going to be we're going to miss it when he's gone. Um cuz he will cause he will obviously eventually leave the league. I mean, who knows when? Um hopefully he's not cut short by injury or anything, but we'll eventually have a time where Sidney Crosby is not in the league and we're definitely going to be a lesser league for it, I think.
1: Right. And I mean, Sidney Crosby he'll always have you know, I'll always be a big fan of him for the gold medals alone.
0: Not it. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that that hurts not, not that hurts a lot. That. Yeah, I know. That hurts. that might hurt even more than the than the penguin stuff. I was uh oh, I was so in on that. Um that Olympics and when he scored I was like of all the players it had to be Crosby for Canada but I, I do and, take pride in the in the women's uh, shootout win uh, the other year so that was I good. have
1: no idea what you're talking about uh-huh, uh-huh. alright
0: alright I see you.
1: <laughs> oh man it just had to be the Lamarou twins too oh, just had to what be. a
0: what a goal I still think Ugh. about that it goal was a, all the time
1: it was a phenomenal goal yeah it was a phenomenal goal and a phenomenal game I swear and not to get too, super off topic because we shouldn't because this is about the Penguins but I, I was thinking the other day because somebody asked me or asked Twitter. I think it was uh, DJ Bodega Cat uh, Chris mm-hmm, yeah. uh, who he asked like, "What are the ten best uh, play, NHL playoff games in the last ten years?" Or I don't know if you, I don't even said ten best, but he's like, "What are the best ones?" And I was trying to think of like what were the best games period that I can think of that I've watched in my life for hockey, and I swear five of the top ten are women's hockey games. Mm-hmm. And that isn't like, oh, look, there—it's half and half. That's fair. Well, I haven't watched nearly as many women's hockey games yeah. as I have men's, but those high-level tournaments, especially one, between Canada and the yeah. U.S., turn out some of the most amazing storylines. The one—the one,
0: the one where they hit the post. The U.S. Oh woman hit God. the post. I and think that's Canada, the greatest game I've
1: ever seen in my life. Yeah,
0: I mean that still crushes me. I watched that in college, uh, and I think I watched it in like on like the big screen and. Um, in, like, the student lounge area at school, like, that crushed me. That was, oh. I think about that one too a lot because, like, the pocketing the post, oh. We could go on that for a while, but we should probably get back to the Penguins. But yeah, I mean there have been some incredible women's games over the years in the Olympics and all that, so
1: Yeah. They're 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it I think I wish we could have access to more and I think we're getting mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. But back to the Penguins to avoid becoming the Olympics slash Sidney Crosby hour. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Tristan Jerry and Casey DeSmith have been a big part of this as well. Neither of them have been amazing, but both of them have been good. Yeah. and being able to share the net between two goaltenders you can trust is you know a, a really smart way for the Canadian or not sorry for the uh, for the penguins to, to 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 do this obviously jerry is going to be the starter when the playoffs come uh, i think they've kind of lucked out in terms of having two good goaltenders mm-hmm. that uh, can share the load like that yeah. but to be the sourpuss there are some things about the penguins that are a little bit suspect this year I am I looked into them from the data side and as much as it's a great story and you know the perseverance is there and you can never count them out and Malkin's on his way back so they're still going to be scary but overall at 5 on 5 the penguins are currently controlling goals 6.4% at a 6.4% higher rate than they are expected goals and in all situations it's 4.5% and their performance All of that is based on shooting, which makes a little bit of sense, right? The Penguins are a talented team. Crosby historically elevates shooting percentage while he's on the ice. Uh, You know, Jake Gensel, fantastic sniper. But if you look into the team's history, overall, over the last five years before this year, they have averaged uh, outscoring their expectations by about 1.36 goals per game, which is a lot. That's a lot to Mm -hmm. outdo your actual expected goals. This year, it's a six-year high of plus .58, according to Evolving Hockey. So that's over half a goal a game more offense than they're expected to get. And if you look at their last six years, this is actually the season with their lowest expected goals for in all situations per 60 minutes. It's just 2.75 when they've averaged about three over the previous five years. So I think as much as this team is... You know, a very dangerous team. They have pieces that can crush anyone on any given night, and they can win a couple rounds out of nowhere. I think they're a bit of a paper tiger.
0: Mm. Interesting. I mean, I I obviously can't argue with the numbers, and I won't do that because that's not what we're <laughs> that's not what we're here to do. Uh. But yeah, I mean, you make interesting points. Uh. So that signals to me that a regression of some kind is coming for them. Do you think that? Do you, I guess, do you think Penguins fans should be worried that, you know, the numbers are going to start to slip and will that happen maybe at like the end of the season or heaven forbid in the playoffs and they, you know, take a first round exit to, you know, if they remain in the top of the East, you know, they could take a first round exit, exit to like Boston or something like, do you, is that in the realm of possibility here?
1: I, I'm, I wouldn't like, it's definitely possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Boston's a good team, even if they were as good as their numbers say, I don't think, you know, a first round victory is guaranteed over a team like Boston. Uh, I don't know, is is Tuka Rask still out in Boston? Uh, I know he was injured, but I I do wonder if Rask is out and the Bruins end up starting Halak if they have a bit of a flashback to, uh, okay, Rask appears to be back, Yeah, but if Halak ends up taking that net, if if the Penguins have a bit of a flashback to 2010, because that wasn't a very great year for them. They were expected (laughs) to win the Cup, just like the uh, Capitals were before them, and Halak kind of toasted them both off. Yeah. I, I think the Bruins are good enough to to win that series. I would still favor the Penguins. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's a it's a tough one. I think that whenever you have a, a team that's just tearing it apart in like goal differential and wins and everything's going right for them, usually they're getting a little bit luckier than they like than their actual results show. Like that's just a good rule of thumb: never buy into the highs as high as they are, mm-hmm. never buy into the lows as low as they are. But I I I don't want to tell Penguins fans to be worried. But I wouldn't be super confident either. I think it's closer to last season when they went into the the play-in round and they were a little bit nervous about facing Carey Price. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their fears were actualized. I I think they're in kind of a similar situation this year. They're just riding a little bit high. Yeah. But heading into the playoffs hot is never a bad thing. I was
0: going to say, like, you need a bit of luck. I mean, we've talked, like. It feels like every like every Stanley Cup winner gets lucky in some way shape or form. Like just Absolutely. that's just that's just the way it is. So maybe the Penguins are hitting that stride now and it'll coast them through at least maybe the first round and maybe we'll see a drop off later but maybe they can continue to ride it but like you said you need to get a little bit lucky in this league and that's
1: Absolutely. And if and Malkin coming back yeah. like early season Malkin I it wouldn't even make a big difference no, if they no, no, really no, struggled but... to start the year. But if regular Malkin comes back that's a different layer that this team adds. Yeah, right? <laughs> like I mean, it's...
0: like you said, regular season Malkin wasn't, you know, anything inspiring, but we know that the dude can turn it up when needed. And coming into the playoffs, I think the dude is going to be hyped. I, w- I would imagine so. Anyway,
1: absolutely. And if you want more on the Pittsburgh Penguins, you can check out out Locked On Penguins, our brother podcast, sister podcast. Mm-hmm. I, let's say sister. I think that's the classical term. Uh, with Hunter Hodies. They will be breaking everything down for the Penguins every weeknight, uh, and also probably have some Locked On Now videos on their Twitter account. Lots of stuff when you check out the local podcast for Locked On. And coming up on Thursday, our guest is going to be classic pretend Penguins fans, pretend Penguin fans from uh, She's Not That Into You, Jay Baruchel.
0: Hey, you were teasing this hard last week. I wanted to hold off yes. just in case. You know, just in case things fell through, but we got confirmation that'll be on the show, and I'm very excited I'm talking to an actual celebrity. We're pulling some, we're pulling some big guests, and
1: he he will probably repel that if you call him an actual celebrity. He'd probably be like, nah, "I don't no, think." No, not okay,
0: familiar. I I know, but we're an, I've never I don't think ever spoken to at least a person of that fame that has been in that you know many Hollywood films. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna try not to be too nervous around him because. I really enjoyed his work. I mean, I mostly know his work from um, How to Train Your Dragon because I'm a big animation person, but he's been in a lot of great films. I mean, I saw Goon, of course, uh, so I'm familiar with him there, too, and I know his hockey expertise and all that. But uh, it'll just be funny to just have him on the podcast, and I know from you talking to me about it, he's he's got some good stories. And he's a fun guest, so I'm very excited for us to talk to him and for to share that with you all.
1: Yeah, we're gonna be talking to him. We'll talk about Goon. We'll talk about the sequel to Goon, Goon Two: The Last of the Enforcers. Maybe I we'll should talk watch that him before. Maybe, maybe, oh,
0: yeah, Maybe I should watch that yeah, before, especially
1: since I worked on it. Oh yeah, I, I did some. I did some math for that movie mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about his diehard Canadians fandom and how he feels watching the team try to yeah. shove their playoff spot down the tubes <laughs> and all all sorts of other stuff. So Jay Baruchel is coming on this week on the podcast on Thursday. Make sure you listen to that episode. If you want to bet on sports, the site you should check out is Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, with playoffs on the horizon. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. We just missed the Oscars, but you could have bet on that. Who knows what you would have won? Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. Promo code LOCKED ON. Today, on the Locked On Today podcast, NFL draft week is officially here, and the Ravens might shake everything up. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Get all the sports news you need under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you with the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, that is A-U-D-A-C-Y. So, Mary, uh, as someone who followed the Canadians or covered the Canadians for a long time now uh it's not a huge surprise that andrew shaw announced his retirement today uh, through the blackhawks official twitter account with a little video uh with a retrospective of his career uh just because i've like followed his injury history Mm -hmm. but at the same time in the middle of a playoff hunt uh a little bit shocking i think a lot of folks who don't follow uh the the Blackhawks or the Canadians when he was there very closely were pretty surprised to see such a strong competitor uh, just call it quits like that. But you know uh, his doctors have been consistently pushing him to do this. Uh, The way he spoke about it was like this is kind of the first time but I think this has been going on for a long time to get him to actually agree to it. He said he was like this is the first time he's actually going to listen to them. He also said in the video So this has been a long time coming. Uh, Shaw has had a litany of concussions. Part of that is just, you know, the way he plays. He is very much a lead with your head kind of guy, Uh, physical, puts himself in dangerous situations all the time, Uh, also an agitator, so he gets people angry at him. Not saying there's any intent to end his career, but he has gotten himself into many, many situations where his head experienced trauma uh that's not even counting fights mm-hmm. so a bit of a surprise but also not really a surprise uh you think like i was watching this video and the first thing he brought up was i think it was his second shift in the nhl he fought uh zach ronaldo oh geez it was against the flyers mm-hmm. so he was like talking about how proud he was and how he wouldn't change a thing and i'm like man you're you're retiring from the nhl as a very good player at the age of 29 and you don't have any regrets. Like, I understand you won two Stanley cups. Yeah, That's great. And you had a good career, but dude, I, I watched this guy with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. He is a very, very good hockey player. Yeah. Like injuries notwithstanding, like his last season with the Canadians, he had 47 points in 63 games, 19 goals. Yeah, career high. Yeah. Career high. And then he went to the Blackhawks and just the injuries piled up and piled up and piled up. Yeah. And I get, like from his perspective, saying he has no regrets when you've won twice, you've had a, a good year or or a good career, that makes sense. But I'm very surprised that in this situation that he would again glorify fighting. Like yeah. it's it seems like it's like you learn but you didn't learn. Yeah. I mean not to crap on him, but you know.
0: Yeah. I I guess that's just how hockey like some hockey players think. Um I mean I don't know if I'm not gonna try and make blanket statements for all of them or anything, but he just he seemed he's I guess the definition of a hockey player TM for me yeah. like the like your stereotypical hit punch he he had goal scoring too he like you said he had a career high 47 points with the canadians one year and but that was like one of his last one of his last seasons i mean the last couple he's played 14 games he played 14 games this year 26 last year like his his drop off in games was dramatic he played 63 games yeah. in 2018 19 then dropped to 26 um whether that be from injuries are also just you know usage I mean going back to Chicago and all that but like that it was I guess it's unfortunate to see that drop off but to me he's just a very typical hockey player in that sense sometimes it's just all you want like dude won two Stanley Cups I mean whether or not he was like you know an incredible goal scorer I mean not everybody can be you know a Sidney Crosby Connor McDavid we know that they're generational players he had goal scoring talent but maybe he was just content with winning his cups and you know, like enjoying his time playing on an NHL payroll. Like sometimes that's just what you want? And I don't think I can fault him for that. At least it is a shame though, to see his career ends the way it has, but I guess good on him for taking his health seriously. Um,
1: Yeah. And I I think it took a lot to get to that point because I know like the games that he missed, like he played pretty much three full seasons for the Blackhawks before he being acquired by the Canadians in 2016, and almost every game that he missed in the following three seasons he played sixty eight games, 51 games and sixty three games was all due to concussions. yeah uh, there might have been a couple other in- minor injuries in there, but most of that was due to concussions and man, when you start getting your bell rung that often and these last two years where he's missed so much time I- i'm I'm very glad for him and his family that he's accepted the, the decision to move on yeah. I think watching Shaw with the Canadians, there was definitely a point where every time he took a hit, even if it wasn't to the head, you started to get really worried for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what with what we know about like CTE and yeah. post-concussion symptoms, and the long-term ramifications, I know that... Shout out like, to Dan he,
0: Carcello on that front. Yes, fan, that
1: fantastic person. We should get him on the podcast yeah, we should. sometime. I'm sure he'd love to do it. Uh, you know from Dan Carcillo to like Keith Primo to, to go further back. I remember there was a time uh, I I went to a conference and they were talking about uh, Keith Primo and I think he was supposed to be there, but he couldn't make it. And this was like 10 years after Primo retired. And he still was in the, the situation where if he got up off the couch too quickly, he would pass out. Yeah. He'd get dizzy and pass out. And like, that is just not a sustainable way to live. Yeah. You know, especially when you have young kids and you want to play with them. So I'm glad for Andrew Shaw that he's taken the advice of doctors. I really hope it's not too late. Yeah. for for the the issues to you know take too much of a hold over his life and impact his quality of life. It it's just rough. And I think sooner than later the NHL is going to have to have a reckoning with concussions yeah. because as much as it has seemed at times to take things seriously, we're at a point now where you look at the decisions from the NHL department of player safety and they don't take it seriously anymore. Yeah. I think when they first brought in Brendan Shanahan, they did, it was, they were really trying to change up the game. And now it's just any excuse they can possibly find to not suspend someone. They will do that. And the NHLPA needs to take it on themselves as well, because their focus is always on defending the person who's causing an injury and not on the injured person. And they need to realize they, they represent both, not just one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I'm just it's very difficult, I think, from my perspective personally, to cover a sport and cheer on a sport where at any moment you can see the future of those players being very grim.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And like head injuries are always gonna be a part of it. Anytime you're playing on a surface that's as hard as ice and you can fall on skates and smack your head. There are going to be accidents, but we've got to be more serious about taking away the things that cause these concussions that are preventable. Mm-hmm. Cut down your all of the extend extenuous circumstances that cause this stuff and get it to as minimum as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Like to me, one of the first things that they can do, the idea of finishing your check, I hate that term, because <laughs> you know what that means? The puck's gone. Yeah. And this whole like half second that they pretend to enforce, it's, it's gotta go. It's gotta go.
0: Yeah. I mean, fighting is a big thing too. That's, you know, come down in recent years. And I, I'd like to hope that, you know, the less fighting um, there has been in the NHL, you know, the safer players brains will be, but things happen, hits happen. And obviously concussions aren't all, you know, on, you know, fights and stuff like that, but Yeah, I mean, we've seen how it's impacted in the NFL, too. I mean, that's, I guess, the bigger, on the bigger stage, the NFL and their concussion thing is on a bigger stage than the NHL's is. But, I mean, I mentioned Dan Carcillo. He's done great work um, bringing that stuff to light. Um, I would like to think more players are going to speak out and hopefully change things for the better um, as the years goes on. And hopefully, you're right, it isn't too late for Andrew Shaw and his, you know, his health. Hopefully he got out when. No, you know, his health is still, you know, still there.
1: And speaking of Andrew Shaw, I think we, you can't really talk about Andrew Shaw without talking about his history, right? And mm-hmm. he's doled out some concussions as well. And he's also been, you know, reprimanded for homophobic slurs. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to spend like Shaw's retirement day trashing <laughs> him, right? But at the same time, we have, you have to address some of this stuff, right? And... There, There's something that's never quite sat right to me about Andrew Shaw being caught with saying homophobic slurs. And then I believe it was the next year he became the You Can Play ambassador yeah. for the Canadians. And I, I wonder, like, from your perspective, Mary, do you see that as a player who found a quick way to give himself cover? Or is it somebody who's learned from a situation and changed?
0: Well, I think... Um... I looked at what he said after that homophobic slur um, when he said it in 2016, um, I believe. Uh, he apologized um, and he said he wanted to apologize for his actions. I have no excuse for anything. I want to apologize to the gay and lesbian community. That's not the type of guy I am. This is hard for me. Reading through his uh, apology, he didn't do the sorry to those who are offended. Uh, he didn't right. do you know the skipping out on you know, actually taking responsibility. He took responsibility and I think that that is a first step. Um, I looked when we were discussing this topic as something to talk about. I looked around to see if, you know, there was anything else out there. um, You know, if he's done anything these last four years, at least publicly, I couldn't find anything. But that apology for me is at least a good first step. We have no idea what he's done privately to maybe, you know, amend things to better himself to learn. We talked about this with Tony D'Angelo. You have to put in the work. It's Mm -hmm. hard to say publicly if he's put in the work, but that apology, at least for me, at least meant something because it wasn't your basic standard sorry to those who were offended
1: sorry i got caught (laughs)
0: yeah um he seems incredibly remorseful about it um i haven't seen any other incidents from him since i haven't you know seen any positives from him i don't know i don't know if it's one of those you know he was trying to cover his tracks but i think he at least made a good step in terms of that apology because people can change we like we mentioned with the tony d'angelo stuff people can change you just have to put in the work to do it it's very possible that Andrew Shaw put in the work and was put on the you can play ambassadorship because of it or that was a step into him putting in the work to being better I for me it's I guess hard to you know attack that because we don't know we don't know if he's put in the work or not um but I don't I remember at the time when that news came out it was kind of suspicious and you know but i they, there's been no incidents in the last couple of years um, so that we, know, I, of, that we right? know of. Anyway, that's public. <laughs> so I don't think yeah. it's fair to say either way just because um, I couldn't at least find anything with the last couple of years, but I, I at least take to heart that his apology seems remorseful and only Andrew Shaw and um, anybody around him that knows him more personally will know if he's put in the work, but I hope he has. And I don't think like you're going to remember that stuff, but I'd, I'd like to think that Maybe he's learned in his time uh, these past couple of years,
1: so we'll say benefit of the do- benefit of the doubt but we don't have any conclusive proof
0: yeah I that
1: he's I remember reading
0: that apology and being like all right that's at least better than a lot of other apologies have been you don't you don't it, see it, like Tony D'Angelo making those apologies and it goes to show you how much a
1: real empathetic apology means yeah right that we can go back in history and read an apology from someone and we can see whether somebody meant it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Or at least whether they put in the work to put out a good apology. Cause a lot of times when these kinds of things happen, it's just, it's sorry that you were offended or I, uh, Kevin Durant mm-hmm. in the NBA, I believe it was Kevin Durant got caught saying a homophobic slur recently. And he was like, I'm it's unfortunate that you guys heard that. It's like, that's not an apology. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That just means you're upset that you got caught. So like, If you do get caught, obviously put in the work, but craft a good apology, try to mean it. And remember that like these affected groups deal with this crap all the time. So it's not about being offended. It's just being tired of it. You know, it's, it's not that uh, people are easily offended. And I, I really hate that kind of attitude. I, I think it's just, it's time to change the way that we operate about things. And like, I grew up with that kind of language I had to have a reckoning of my mm-hmm. own yeah. to, to like grow up and, and realize that that's not okay to say. Mm-hmm. It, it's. You gotta put, in the,
0: not, you gotta put yeah, in the work. You gotta put in the work. Yeah,
1: you gotta put in the work. It's not necessarily difficult, but it's also not easy to change your behavior. Mm-hmm. And I understand when people get caught, but apologize. Try to change. Yeah. And I mean, it's not people an easy thing to do. if you do. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. you said it's it's not difficult. I mean, it can be for people, especially yeah. if it's been ingrained for them for so long.
1: But True. I, I mean, if you're not actually bigoted, but you yeah. are yeah. No, I get raised you. in a situation where you say yeah. words like this, it's not like uh, psychologically difficult for you to not stop saying it. It's mm-hmm. more difficult in terms of like training yourself. Yeah. But yeah, if you're actually bigoted, then it's a different story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So coming up, we're going to do our BuzzFeed quiz... I think Mary is really excited about this mm-hmm. because it's about early 2000s music. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for it as well. Right after this. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 6 new amazing flavors: Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond and Apple Almond Crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or girl or anything in between. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets. Check out their Cookies and Cream, which has 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. For a limited time only, while supplies last, you can get a free cooler with your purchase of Built Bars. This will only last a week or so. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. All right, Mary, I'm excited for this BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah. I'm hoping that this is as illuminating as the last one about who we actually are as people.
0: Yes, I saw this and was like, I must return to my early 2000s roots. I was in the 90s. I grew up in the 90s, but early 2000s was was a time for me. So I'm, I'm here for this quiz. So it's pretend it's 2004. Yeah. Which songs are you buying with the iTunes gift card you got for your birthday? Very specific. <laughs> I love it.
1: Very specific, and this is like my high school era. So this is the time that I was like most into new music, and Mm -hmm. you know, every album you sit there, you put the CD in your your CD player, and like read the lyrics on the little album booklet that came. You're like, oh my god, greatest new album of all time. So uh, we'll we'll hopefully all we'll know all of these songs. So Mm -hmm. uh, you just got a twenty five dollars iTunes gift card for your birthday. Woohoo! Which hit song are you buying first? Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield sos by rihanna move along by the all-american rejects lean with it rock with it by Dem franchise boys every time we touch by cascada or before he cheats by carrie underwood
0: this is so tough for me is there are it? two songs move along and every time we touch for two very important songs to young mary and to current mary today i'm gonna go with every <laughs> time we touch though what a bop what a what a bop
1: uh none of these are like super in my wheelhouse to be honest but i think the one that i have heard the most and listened to the most was sos by rihanna which apparently is the leading one because it shows the results yeah
0: i think this one it like won't give us like a result at the end but we're at least stacking up to like what everybody else on buzzfeed clicked i'm very surprised Uh, okay okay but i i still wanted to do this quiz because i needed to go back to this music but this is important for discussions between the two of us
1: okay okay choose a saucy song you vibe to at the middle school dance boy Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado, My Humps by Fergie, Sexy Back by JT, Right Round by Flo Rida, Bootylicious by Destiny's Child, or Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Man, okay, I know all these. This is definitely in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Dirty because I specifically remember when that video debuted and uh, many boys in my high school did as well.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pick Sexy Back. It's still a good song.
1: It is a great song. A lot of these are really great songs. Like, Bootylicious is a freaking amazing song. Yeah. I can't believe how old that song <laughs> is. Like, oh, my God. It makes me feel very ancient whenever I look at, like... Man, that was Destiny's Child, too. It wasn't Beyonce's. So that yeah, is very old. Very oh old. Oh, my God. I'm ancient. Which Y2K heartthrobs track are you adding to your playlist? Lovebug by the Jonas Brothers. They were not out in Y2K.
0: They were in the 2000s.
1: But not like Y2K is 2000. Okay.
0: Hold on. Okay. All right. Continue. I'll look.
1: Miss Independent by Neo. Bye, Bye, Bye by NSYNC. What You Say by Jason Derulo. How Do You Sleep by Jesse McCartney? Or One Time by Justin Bieber? Oh,
0: boy. Young, uh, like oh. very young Justin Bieber. Oh, these are all good. Part of me wants to pick Jonas Brothers, but I love Jesse McCartney. Gotta gotta go with my boy, Jesse McCartney. I know that that's an unpopular pick, but I still think his songs are oh, early 2000s magic for me.
1: Now, was is what you say by Jason Derulo the one from that SNL skit? Yes. Okay, that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, that skit will forever make me laugh. Yeah,
0: that's fair. That's the, solid.
1: The most popular is obviously Bye Bye Bye. Yeah. It's, also, it's a great one. If uh,
0: Backstreet Boys was in here, I probably would have picked that because they were what I grew up with.
1: You know what? I'm, I'm with you. I think Backstreet Boys are the best boy band, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even up for debate. Mm-hmm. Like, NSYNC was fine. Yeah. But Backstreet Boys, they rock. Like, Backstreet Boys, every single was amazing. Yeah,
0: every single was amazing. I Yeah, Backstreet Boys was the first uh, CD I bought for myself growing up. A lot of good memories. Glad we're, glad we're both in agreement that the Backstreet Boys are the best here. Sorry. Okay, so
1: if, if you love the Backstreet Boys, we talked about this off podcast last week. But, Mary, have you seen This is the End yet?
0: Uh, no, I haven't.
1: Okay, so you have to watch that before we have Jay on the podcast. Okay. Because I, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I think you're really going to love that movie, right. especially the end. All right. Okay. Enough boy talk. Pick an empowering bop from a powerful lady. Hollaback girl Gwen Stefani. Pretty girl rock by Carrie Hilson. Glamorous by Fergie. Single ladies by Beyonce. Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson. Or potential breakup song by Ally and AJ.
0: Potential breakup song. Yeah. Potential breakup song. The new explicit version that they put out uh, earlier this year. A+. Absolutely love Ally and AJ. Mm. They're the best.
1: I think the the song that I most identify with like in my youth is probably Hollaback Girl, but i got to go song. Single Ladies. Yeah, yeah. Single Ladies has really stood the test of time. Yeah,
0: that's true, yeah. I'm here for it.
1: All right. Which song are you flicking your bangs to the side oh boy. for? Well, never really had those, but uh, let's see. It's It ends tonight by The All-American Rejects, Shake It by Metro Station, Soul Meets Body by Death Cab for Cutie, Sugar We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy, I Write Sins Not Tragedies by Panic at the Disco, or Cupid's chokehold by gym class heroes.
0: I'm going shake it by Metro Station. Still a great song. I know that that's probably not. A, looking at the list of the so- the top songs, yeah, Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy, great. But I don't know. I loved the one hit wonder of Metro Station with Shake It. What a good song.
1: Yeah, I think I might go with Panic at the Disco.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised that that's at the top. That is, those three are my top three of that list. But I I very much love the love Shake It. Great song.
1: All right. Pick a song that's all rhythm and no blues. Sexy Can I by Ray J. Replay by Zendaya. Yeah by Usher. Disturbia by Rihanna. One Step, Two Step by Ciara. Oh my God, that song was so huge. (laughs) Uh, Whatever You Like by T.I. I I find One Step, Two Step and Yeah were massive where I grew up. Mm. I think I have to go with Usher just because that song was on the radio like 50 times a day.
0: I picked Disturbia. I love that song. That might be my favorite Rihanna song. It's, it is really? it is up there. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Still do to this day.
1: Right. <laughs> Pick your fave song featured in your fave Y2K movie. Oh. Fallen by Maya from A Cinderella Story.
0: Lizzie McGuire.
1: Uh, the Tide is High by Atomic Kitten or, from the Lizzie Duff. McGuire movie. Yeah, I guess Hillary Duff, yeah. But yeah. Past That Dutch by Missy Elliott from Mean Girls. Perfect Day by Hoku from Legally Blonde. Oh boy. Stolen by Dash, Dashboard Confessional from Sydney White. Or No Sleep Tonight by the Faders from She's this the This is
0: so hard because I oh, love Oh this one's easy for me. I love the Lizzie McGuire movie, but also the Cinderella a Cinderella story with uh Hilary Duff great. Legally blonde, fantastic. Oh what are you picking?
1: I'm picking Missy Elliott and Me Girls. I will live for Missy Elliott every day of the week. I love her. I
0: picked uh the Titus High from the Lizzie McGuire movie. I love that movie i I, what dreams are made of absolute incredible song can't beat it all
1: right finally you have just enough money left to buy an album which one are you buying oh okay it's a picture okay uh songs about jane by maroon five love angel music baby by gwen stefani paper trail by ti breakaway by kelly clarkson monkey business by the black eyed peas or a little bit longer by jonas brothers
0: hold on i'm gonna look up the songs for a little bit longer uh, you can you can pick your answer, but I wanted to just see the the songs on this list.
1: All right, I hate Maroon Five. That's easy. Uh, I think I might have to go with Gwen Stefani. Mm,
0: all right, hold on, hold on. I'm stalling. I'm stalling. Um, um, I'm gonna pick Jonas Brothers. I'm just gonna do it. Why not? All right, Kelly Maroon Clarkson. 5 the most popular. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson would have been my second, though. That's what was what I was deciding between the two, but.
1: Kelly Clarkson has some good pipes, that's for sure. I feel
0: like we learned a lot about each other. I mean, I, I'm i very much set in my ways of... I loved, you know... I mean, Paramore is my favorite band, so I'm very sad that there was no Paramore on this list because they were what I grew up with and was definitely a gateway to a lot of other music I've grown to enjoy today, but uh, uh, you can tell that my roots are in, like, emo, pop punk <laughs> music, so...
1: Yeah, speaking of like emo and pop punk, I'm shocked there's no Blink-182 here. Oh yeah. That was like my jam in high yeah, school. Yeah, well,
0: I'm sad we both didn't get our is? we both didn't get our 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 fave bands at the times it seems, but
1: This is true. All right, that's all we've got for you today. Please come and check us out on Thursday where we'll be interviewing Jay Baruchel. He's a good friend of mine, he's a great person and has created some fantastic movies over his career. We're both really excited for it. Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon. We'll make sure he brings Toothless as well. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Odyssey app. We will be right back on Thursday. Thanks for listening.